Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to SyrupCast episode 23. It is Friday, November 27th. 27th. Holy crap. 27 and days till Christmas is what it is. That's that's depressing. It's amazing. I it's the best am, news I've heard all day. Well, the best news I've heard all day is that I'm joined by Douglas Soltis. How are you? Uh, I am slowly dying. We are all slowly dying, and our other slowly dying guest, Jane McIntaggart, how are you? Yay, I'm great, how are you? Good, good. The one bright spot among the darkness. The one bright spot, who currently looks like a homeless person. That's okay, you are sitting uh, below a sign that says Syrupcast, so you are in, in good company. I am home. We all watched the Star Wars trailer this <laughs> the morning. The sign says episode 23, by the way, which is the best part. Of course. It does. Uh, what do you guys think? Is it going to blow Star Wars trailer? Yes. Roly poly oly or 2D2. That's what I think. Oh, yeah. dude rolling around the place. Millennium Falcon. That is the best part of it, for sure. Uh, no, I, I gotta say, the moment I saw those X-Wings just gliding along that water, I was like, oh, I'm in. How yep. come... Okay, okay, I'm not a huge Star Wars person, but how come they didn't actually go to space in any of those spaceships in the trailer? Because it's a teaser. It's not a trailer. <laughs> Because probably the the least interesting thing about Star Wars is the going to space parts, costs extra. No, the parts in between the places, right? Like it's all about the the planets and the worlds that are different from ours, and like the the Tatooine uh, reference. And hey, a black stormtrooper, what's up? Totally, that was yeah. the that was like oh amazing. J.J. Abrams is finally making Star Wars multicultural. Mm. Yeah, just. Also, I have a lot of faith in J.J. Abrams. Me too. Mm, I have for one movie, maybe. <laughs> what? For one movie, maybe. Why? What legacy has uh, he? Did you destroyed? see the second Star Trek movie? My God, that was not his fault. That was just a bad script. He's a great director. But you're uh, right. The second Star Trek movie was not very good. I think he literally, in during that second movie, was like, uh, "Hey, so I'm going to do the Star Wars thing." Maybe, maybe maybe I can throw some shade on Star Trek and raise the attention level of Star Wars. I think he I think he checked out halfway through that project. That movie looks like somebody checked out halfway through it. Your well, face looks like someone checked out halfway through it. Uh, no, my face looks like someone checked out right at the beginning, <laughs> and then it's just been dragging a carcass around the kitchen the region for the past twenty four hours. Yeah, I got. It. So uh, we're not swearing anymore. What? Sorry, That's kids. Bullshit. As of today, <laughs> or like, have I sworn yet? Have we sworn? You, well, no, but Jane just broke the seal, so no, I guess oh, we have no choice. Maybe we'll start next that? week. 
Can we, so, can we throw this to the comments? Yes. Do you guys are you do you guys okay? Are you guys okay with swearing? We went to a party last. Well, Jane and I went to a party last night. Douglas was just sick, so the quality of this podcast is going to be significantly lower. Than I took regular. the best screenshot while we were trying to get ready for this, where I honestly look like my face is like melting. <laughs> I'll put that on the tweeter. Well, before we. Um, before we get into things, um, we are going to be talking about our gift guide this week, and we have a ton of phones, but I wanted to say it right now, we're not choosing a best phone of the year in our gift guide, because as we've proven over the last year, there's really no best phone anymore. There are some amazing phones that fit every demographic and budget. And I think that's really the area that has improved the most over the last 12 months. So we're just saying that as a disclaimer. But uh, we're going to start today talking about games. Because Richard Devine wrote a really great piece in for Android Central uh, about the problem of freemium. And this is not a new problem. But Monument Valley brought it back into the spotlight last week when they released Forgotten Shores, their expansion pack slash content pack for um, for its iOS and Android game. And people were aghast at the fact that they had to pay $2 for additional content. They didn't want to pay again oh, for something that they Christ. paid for. Christ is right, because people can go put a golf ball in their mouth yeah I'm like i so, am the cheapest of the cheap i wear my cheapness like a badge of honor but come on like y'all are fucking cheapskates whoa like <laughs> Jay, no but people are complaining so this is the last this is the last <laughs> podcast where we swear let's just get it all out of this podcast sorry sorry that was not intentional no but this is ridiculous people were saying that because they paid they were they paid what like 4.99 for the for the original game or 3.99 3.99 that they shouldn't have to pay for the expansion pack or like the the sequel. That's ridiculous. Well, that's the Maybe. thing. It doubles the number of levels, right? There's like eight new well, chapters. Yeah, almost double. But Doug, sorry, you were saying? Well, I was just like, maybe if they got their games through a streaming service, this wouldn't be an issue. Like what? Um, I don't know. Maybe Where if they got their like, games on vinyl. You can just stream every game whenever you want it. Uh, no, I think it. I think it points to the fact that you're with, such a little mobile, s disturber. I'm a, I'm a little shit disturber, but no. But I think so. But it, but that snide comment actually has a uh, undercurrent of a point to it, uh, in which the expectations of content on mobile are so ridiculously outsized with the work and effort to create that content. And I think that's because with everyone having a mobile device, you see people looking for content for their mobile that wouldn't normally purchase that stuff just because they're really interested in it, but more because it's it's there on their phone, which has just completely deflated the like the market value for games and entertainment. So you see this situation where um, what Lonely Valley, Handsome Valley, Happy Valley, Monument Valley, Monument Valley gets shade for like doubling the content of a great game which takes time and work to do but uh console ports of very popular games can sell for you know five to six times the price and sell very well because 
they are coming from a non-mobile space. Yeah. It's like no one values mobile content. Although DLC has also become a little bit of an issue on the console side. You'll see games like, um, oh, what was it? The Xbox Titanfall. They pre-announced a bunch of DLC for Titanfall before the game was even launched. So you're oh, spending well, 60 bucks on the game knowing that down the road you're going to be asked to spend $30 or $40 on additional expansions. Yeah, but that's like Marvel telling you how many Avengers movies are coming out in the next four years. It's because they have to they build that into their calendar. And I, I think you know every, every company does that now. Now, I think the bigger issue is when you have... The, the content for the DLC on the disc that you purchased and, you know, again, these expectations of, you know, uh, business case and, and medium and what people expect from their content. I know there's been a lot of issues with Destiny basically cutting a bunch of stuff from their game, releasing a, a game that feels really empty and then uh, selling you that content as an expansion pack in December. A lot of people are taking issue with that. I don't really think that that happens in, in mobile so much. I, I don't think it's like, oh, you know why would I want to pay for something that's already in the game? I think it's just more like, why would I want to pay more for a mobile game, which I'm only, you know, I don't, I value this less than dirt. It's just something that's on my phone while I'm on the subway. And I might really enjoy it, but there but that's not... are a thousand great mobile games. But then, what I, I think what the story was when it first came out for iOS, the expansion, was that, um, what's the name of the studio behind Monument Valley? Two or Us, something? Ustwo. Ustwo. So they, they tweeted and they were like, oh, it looks like a whole bunch of people went back and changed their five-star ratings to one-star ratings because they had to pay for the expansion pack. And these are people... Yeah, and <laughs> this is what the, this is the issue that. was. Is they were saying... He, wow. They were like, we're really sad that people did that. And if you go back and people in those reviews were like, this is such an amazing game and I loved it and it's such a shame that I have to drop my five-star rating to one-star, but I just can't believe that they're trying to charge me more money. Like or, moral indignation coming from charge... Yeah. Like, you, you don't go to the grocery store to buy some milk... And then expect to get your subsequent, you know, packs of milk for free. So and they were like, they were. Well, but it's less than that. It's like, uh, be not only am I expecting it for free. If it's not offered for me for free, I'm going to go shoot some cows in the face. <laughs> like that. That destroys. Nobody the is threatening to kill the mobile developers behind no, no, Uspo. No, 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 no. They, they're, but they're killing their business by giving them a low rating, which hurts their app store rank, yeah. which is and the main driver that, of revenue. That's significant. That's, that's also and, a problem with the review process on the app store in general because yeah. it allows games to be burned subsequently and also i mean it helps when like say a developer also goes back and makes a really bad update right but, but yeah. Doug, you said that you were saying you know, people don't value these games like they're, they're just a game that's on their phone and there's tons more these people were saying like i've waited like six months for this update and i'm so annoyed that i have to pay like people were people were upset and i don't think that's i don't think that is indicative of them not valuing the game. I think it's they're just greedy well, and selfish. and They have yes. an expectation that's not realistic. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, no. been set well, based on precedent from... But it's, like, it's, similar, it's similar to how people will use WhatsApp and then after a year they'll start bitching about the fact that they have to pay 99 cents. And you'll see on Facebook people saying, oh, well, if you just uninstall it and then delete it and then reinstall it, you don't have to pay. Or if you just click pay later. And it's like, it's 99 cents for a service that you use all day, every day. Just pay it. Well, there are definitely things that I don't try. Games or apps or services because they're paid. Oh, yeah. That I, the price of which I don't have any problem paying so much. It's more that I know that there's going to be a, something similar or equivalent to it that I can get for free. And I think the difference with 
uh, mobile games versus, uh, you know, other platform content that has come to mobile is that mobile games started really cheap and really bad and got better but cheaper. So there was never this prestige around. Like, when we used to buy SNES games... Like you would, you would, you'd have to drop a hundred dollars on a cartridge, and like if you didn't if make the right choice at Christmas or for your birthday as to what game you were getting, you were stuck with that. Yeah, but there was no um, alternative. Yes, now on mobile there are thousands of games, all competing each other to be you know to drop to the lowest possible price. So it, I I think they might really enjoy the game and really like it, but they don't really value it because if they valued it and they cared about it. They'd be willing to participate, right? Um, you know, the one-star stuff or the the this this culture of entitlement that is very thoroughly represented on the internet and in the digital space, particularly amongst gamers, uh, I think is coming to the forefront here. And I don't I don't want to gamer game, but you know we're seeing this in a lot of different spaces. But people feel entitled to things that show up on their phone. That's they're just like, yeah, I just want this. I want this now, and it should be everything that I need. And instead of like, wow, this small team of five people probably worked for a year to give double the amount of stuff that people liked, and they're charging two dollars for it. I don't think it's uh, there isn't an, an element of entitlement. I agree with you there, but I don't think that's the predominant issue here. I think it's the value people put on mobile experiences. As you said, like, why should I value something that is I'm only going to play while I'm on the toilet or on the subway? Right. And the problem is that the freemium experience is just good enough where you don't really have to invest your your time, your effort, your brain cells, anything like that. You see people playing Candy Crush on the subway all the time, and there yeah. are millions of better alternatives. I mean... Shit, I play chess on the subway when I can because it's a better use of my time. But it's the same idea, right? It's, you know, it's, it's an easy to get into mobile game, or mobile. It's, you know, Tetris even. I feel challenged, but people feel challenged playing Candy Crush, and that's their prerogative. Yeah, but but it's also those games are then created to find a new way to take money. They're not. This is not. Hey, this is a really fun experience we'd like to to make for you, and if you enjoy it, please. Please uh, reimburse us for that. You have like the the Kardashian game where it's it's like it's it's a it's an algorithm built for you to spend money and time. Totally, but we're because because the expectation of mobile is not one of like oh I'm gonna sit down and enjoy something really good and then pay fair value for that. And I think you know across the board with like you know movies, television, we've been having this argument for weeks. Uh, music, there's. No one has sorted out, or there's been a great disruption in the expectations that, like, modern Western society has around what digital content is worth. That is hugely disparate compared to the cost to produce. Right. But I, I also think that, as you said, people expect bundles. And bundles are sold in a number of, of ways, right? So you have, you know, the, the value attached to a freemium game is in the amount of stuff you get through those in-app bundles, right? So it's yeah, not, Humble you know, you, you, you can get five, five gems for 99 cents, but you can, you can get 500 gems for, you know, 10 bucks, right? So that, that perceived value of buying in bulk, it's the same reason that people 
subscribe to Netflix and Spotify. It's that and availability it, of of perceived value through their investment, right? On on dude, the one, I think, I think you're, I think, I would disagree with you. Like, I think you're onto something, but I think there's a slight difference here, uh, particularly because when you said bundle, the first thing I thought was humble bundle. So I was thinking of a bundle of value of packaged games, and the bundles that you're talking about are bundles within the game. So they're not thinking. Uh, oh, hey, I'm going to pay for this game. I'm paying money in this game because I really like it. They're saying they're in the game mindset already and enjoying it. They're like, oh, I need some more jewels because I want to keep playing this experience. They're not They're oh. not paying for the, the top-level understanding of the experience and say like a, a Humble Bundle pack or a Steam pack where they're like, oh, these are great titles. These are great individual things. They're like, they're in it and thinking about, I want to continue this thing. I have to insert another quarter. And, and that's where the purchasing decision is happening, which is very different from, say, like the Steam bundle. So I, I guess I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that there's like there's two things going on there with the those are different ways of paying based upon the expectation of what you're getting. And I think the Humble Bundle is interesting because with most of that stuff, uh, people are buying it because you're like, well, I can't like there's so many titles like I just yes, let's, I'll just collect all these things. I haven't even played Humble Bundle 4 yet, but Humble Bundle 5 has this great game that I want to check out and it's so cheap. And it is DRM-free across all these platforms, so I don't have to worry about lock-in, uh, which I think is a, a particular thing that's, that's coming out. Or, you know, on the console side, uh, this, the portability of knowing that if you start a character on a last-generation system, you can continue forward on the next-generation system, or that you've, you've future-proof paid for that experience. Yeah, I, I see that. I'm, I'm more referring to the idea of the psychological kind of dopamine hit of buying things in bulk and being mm-hmm. a, like that you're absolutely right humble bundle is a great example of doing the bundling properly and i i also think that humble bundle as a as an ecosystem is a fantastic way uh particularly for android gamers who have been burned um with the idea that there's no great content on android yeah to to find great games and buy them but i also think that you know humble bundle it's it's one of those you know it's a pay what you can model and it doesn't always work because people generally just hit that the average or lower than the average right so if we go to the humble bundle right now the one that's you know crescent moon is doing um you know i'm I'm guessing the average price is probably six dollars maybe yeah, and it's. I think it's also. I would say developers who like some developers are happy with Humble Bundle and some developers aren't, and it really depends upon, you know, where your titles are at and the level of awareness. Because like it's the same thing with Steam sales, where people are like, people will just know that a, a game that they want to play in three months will be like four dollars on a Steam sale. Um, after and so they'll they just won't they won't pay, and then they'll, then they'll buy twenty five dollars worth of games, uh, like seven games for that. And then maybe not play them because they waited long enough to get them all for five dollars. But the, but the, the the there's been a devaluation of what that content's worth because you know because there's there's no scarcity. There's tons of games to play now. There's tons of content anywhere. There's like there's so many things to distract you from uh, your meat space life in a way that wasn't true uh, when we were kids growing up and playing games and like getting one good game or discovering something at the blockbuster was like oh my god I can't believe this game exists. Mm-hmm. There's no excitement or expectation. It's like 
you need to deliver good content experiences to me or I will never reward you again ever because my time is valuable and I'm going to go spend it on this. Yeah. And that's true so of like, I guess tone. like if, if you're saying like, yeah, when you're a kid and it's like, you have to play this game, this game is so good. Like, uh, yeah, I went and I rented it and I'm going to, I'm going to get it for my birthday because I just love it so much. Whereas if someone says to me, oh, you got to play Forgotten Shores. I'm like, oh, is it free? And they're like, no, it's four bucks. And I'm like, I'll just play a different game then. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would buy so it. I'm the kind of, yeah. I'm like, oh, four dollars. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally buy that even if it's crap. And like Google yeah. has like a, a two hour return window now. If you don't like it, just return it. That's true. But it is just like a greed thing where they're like, I'm not going to play it unless I can play it for free. And maybe that's why people are kind of butthurt about it, because they're like, well, no, I, I'm i not that kind of person. Like, I, I paid for my game. I paid $4. But I don't, think they're, I don't think they get that this isn't just an expansion pack. This isn't like you're buying five new gems. This is, yes. this is you're pay- yeah, the you're same game for- again, but like mm-hmm. different. Well, it's basically... Monument Valley 1.5, just yeah. in the same APK equivalent. Yeah, I, I realize that's uh, not no, entirely accurate. I, it, would you say that like part of this is because the isolationism created through mobile and digital right now reduces the understanding and the awareness of like what it takes to produce this? type of content and then reduces the empathy like like in the in like the stupid marxist sense like we're so disassociated from the labor uh and production of this content that we don't even understand that like it takes a really long time to build art assets and levels and things that are cool and that there are people who this is their job pushing pixels around and the output might be something that you completely dismiss but it's it's you know it's not an easy thing to do it's like gate like man game development is not necessarily fun no and i i I mean that's a that's a huge topic that you just brought up and i dropped it you just i mean you you have to sort of look at it and and think did did 12 year olds think about how much work went into mario kart on super nintendo when it came out like nintendo busting their asses for months and years to produce the best games possible and the best games are the ones that look so good and look so easy you know they they the presentation is seamless and you know when you when you first turned on um majora's mask for example on the 64 and you're just like this isn't an or mario 64 and you're or whatever it is mario 3d and you're like this is a huge world like people spent years of their lives on this and yeah. then when you open crushy blocks on your iphone you're like this probably took somebody four minutes it didn't take them four minutes. It no. probably took them just as long, but they spent a lot more time on the psychology behind getting people to buy the game rather than, or buy, you know, in-app purchases rather than the, you know, the assets on the game itself. Yeah. Well, no, and you're right. So, like, partially because they have to do that because there's no inherent appreciation of the content because there's more, right? So, going back to those games that you were talking about, I don't think me as a 12-year-old was... Um, explicitly thinking like, oh my god, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto is just like, oh, he's well. Actually, I was thinking that because I was that kind of kid. But you, I may not have had a direct understanding of the effort and work that put in. But I knew that like whenever Nintendo released a game, it was a major event, um, right? Because there was because when they did like because that was the game that you were going to play. That was something that might change the industry or 
those games came out with few regularity. Now there's so many games that it's just like, yeah, it's another Mario game. Whereas like I'm releasing like when Mario 64 was released, um, or when it when it was finally available, because I've obviously been tracking it, and the whole Ultra 64 thing was like the most hyped, under delivered thing ever. But when Mario 64 came out, my my buddy, shout out Mark Wood, gave me a call on the phone. It's like I'm playing Mario 64 right now, and shout out I Mark didn't Wood. hang up. Yeah, I did not hang up on him. I dropped the phone and I ran to his house. And we experienced <laughs> that game together. Like, literally just ran to his house. And, and then we were just like, whoa, you can do that. Like, we spent, you know, 10 minutes outside that castle just learning how to explore. And that was something new and fresh. And it wasn't... It, we, we value every second of that. And we shared that experience. Much in the same way, hey, Final Fantasy III came out. Uh, grade 6 Brethren, what are we doing this weekend? Well, we're obviously going to have a three-night sleepover where we try to beat this game in 72 hours and we'll take sleep shifts and then you will just wake someone up, tell them what happened and they will continue forward. That's like, hilarious. Games. Do you think that it, part of it is because mobile gaming for so long was such a, like it was such a kind of casual experience. People are still playing casually like on the train or on the toilet or whatever, but they're, it's not, it's not snake anymore. It's not like, like there are still, games that, it still games that exist like that and those are the games that want to sell you 10 jewels for like, you know, ten dollars or whatever it is. But then there's yeah. games like Monument Valley, which aren't like that, and they're a way more immersive experience. But because people are still playing them in the same setting, they're lumped. They're all lumped together in the same category. I think Monument Valley would be better off if they released it as a live arcade or whatever, a PlayStation Network game, and then brought it down to mobile. Like I think, like just because you can put, just because the processing power there and and it is there to to put content like that on these screens doesn't mean that it's going to be treated the same like i've said a lot of times on this podcast that like all screens are equal now but it's it isn't because when you when you sit down on the couch to play uh a game even if it's you know not a major console release it's just something you are downloading over live arcade or the the wii store or something you just you 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 it's it's more important it's like more of a commitment it's more of something than just something that just pops up on your phone like a text message and right. I, I think, you know, and then that's why when XCOM releases uh, their expansion to the first XCOM game, which was basically them remaking the game, but is literally an expansion pack, they can sell that for $15 on mobile. It's, it's the same thing that Square's been doing, but they also, sorry, not Square Enix, they... Um, yeah. But they set a precedent, right? They started selling games for $15 right at the beginning, and they said, okay, we're 2K games, we're going to put out premium experiences on mobile, and we're only going to do that. Whereas EA basically started out saying, hey, we're going to sell you FIFA 12 on your iPhone for 6 bucks," and then Candy Crush became popular, and everybody was like, oh, crap, we can milk them for all they're worth, and then Gameloft started doing that. And so, like... All the modern well, combat. Gameloft, Gameloft has been in the mobile space. Like, Gameloft has doing been doing mobile IPs of console games for a really long time. Absolutely, but the beginning, the beginning, like Asphalt One to Six were premium games, and then Asphalt Seven was a freemium game, or it was a premium game that had in-app purchases, and then Asphalt Eight was a completely freemium game, mm-hmm. and they've been milking people for all they're worth for years, and. Well, it's because they had to because there's no asphalt because like they, because it's not it's not um, Gran Turismo. That's not the point. The point is that I if think, I mean EA has been doing that with great 
Okay, fine. Leaving game loft aside, EA's been doing that with games for a long time, where they started selling games that were premium, uh, and that, now they just basically dungeon keeper all of their games. You know, they don't create great experiences anymore. My buddy was telling wow. me how the latest Angry Birds game, Angry Birds Transformer, shows on Android, shows a video after every level if you don't pay for the premium version. Every level, you have to watch a 15-second video. I mean, that is a terrible experience. Well, then pay for, like, then pay for a game. Then buy a game, you know? Yeah. Or punish them. Don't play it. Well, don't, but punish them, like, what's the, like, they're trying to do something to profit after the, profit uh, on the creation of a piece of content that you're unwilling to pay for. So it's like, okay, we will totally give you this full game for free, just after every level, we want you to watch this advertisement, like a commercial break on TV show, which everyone is fine with, or it, it generally fine with. And, and people are like, oh man, I gotta watch a video for this free, like, just pay for it, just pay for things. Everything becomes better when you pay for things. Don't, you don't like Twitter, um, uh, being aware of every app that you have on your phone now? You know why they're doing that? Because you don't pay for Twitter, and they need to make money. So they want to know what apps you have on your phone so they can sell ads better. Yeah, like but they, when we went free, it became an ad model. Twitter is never going to become a premium service. Yeah, everybody calm down. Don't panic. Twitter, I would love. I would Facebook. I'd be much happier if Twitter was a premium service. Oh, come on. I would too, oh, sure. but we... I mean, they're actually suppressing all their third-party developers for that reason, because guys like Tweetbot don't show ads, mm. and... They would prefer that people see ads because they're not making any money directly from from Tweetbot. Yeah, uh, but that the, doesn't mean that like of all the social networks, like like Facebook, the experience of Facebook is so terrible because it's now an experience designed to provide the best ad content. Like there are people that I don't even see any that I've forgotten about in my life, mostly because <laughs> Facebook no longer shows them to me, and I, I'm very That's worried terrible. that Twitter will do the same thing. Because they just decide. It's just like not in the algorithm. We're not going to show you. I, I would much rather pay for the utility of Twitter as like a up-to-the-minute news micro-content experience. And, and I would give them $10 a month. I would give them the same amount I would pay for... Like I get more value from that than I do Netflix or at least as much. Sure, but the problem with that is um, people don't want to pay for... Like I'm, I, I was listening to the latest Canada Land podcast with Jesse Brown yesterday. And they were talking about how the Irving family owns all of the media in New Brunswick. And the paper, when, the, when that killer went off on a rampage and started killing RCMP officers in June, he, uh, the, the paper, I forget the name of the paper, but it, it's the, basically the, the only major paper in New Brunswick. And they didn't let down their paywall during that experience because the they were just tight or maybe they couldn't because the software didn't support it or whatever it was. Yeah. But people were going to the website to find out where the killer was and if they, he was in their backyard and nope, you have to sign up for a free trial or pay 99 cents for this. And it's like, I don't ever want Twitter to get to the point where people don't... And Twitter's already hard enough to get, you know, to, to sort of start using. It's intimidating. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to figure out. Add a pay layer to that, I, I don't think people are going to be interested. And that's what happened to app.net. 
No, I, but so but the counter argument to that is, oh, okay, so um, you, if you're only going to drop in to read our site when you really need to know the information, if we want to continue and exist and be a paper of record, like we need to, like yes, when it's really important to to have the news, maybe you should pay for it. Absolutely. And like I get, I get the public. There's a public service situation with that, but if you're not if you're not paying, like like when is it okay to ask for money now? from people like when is it okay to just say hey we're gonna give you this can you please pay us for the work put in like when did when did that break as a society is it just purely digital because we don't do that with like food we don't do that with say like sports or like live entertainment but just if it's if it's digital if 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 people don't think that because it comes to your screen it's it's super easy to produce. It's just ones and zeros. It's like we're not willing to spend, or, or we're willing to find the easiest way to get that for free. Totally. I mean, piracy was definitely the beginning of that slide, right? Um, and I, I think that Spotify's argument that it wasn't meant to replace physical CDs. Physical CD sales would have dropped regardless of whether... Right. I mean, Napster existed. It brought down sales of albums. They were to, if Napster had never existed, but there was another digital means of obtaining albums, I don't think sales yeah, would have. iTunes. Exactly, iTunes basically destroyed album sales, not piracy. I mean, piracy to some extent, but Spotify is saying, "Listen, people aren't going to buy albums anyway. We're making it easier for people to obtain legally obtain music." For a monthly fee, um, yeah. I think that's to what he stop said. piracy. CEO said in that blog post about Taylor Swift, he was like, "We didn't, we don't exist to make it, you know, to to produce like, you know, to give you like the highest quality audio experience. Like, we're not here to replace your vinyl. We're not here to pre- replace your physical media. We're here to like give you an easy way to pay for it in the first place. Because we know you're just going to go off and steal it if you can't, you know, if you can't stream it for, from us for like nine nine a month. We're like, we just want to." Make it easier for people to give something so that the artists get paid. Period. Not so that they. Sorry. If I mean, is there a corollary between piracy and freemium? You know how back in the day, people would pirate Android apps because it was a lot easier to do. Um, you know, people don't want to pay for things, so they'll find they'll go out of their way to get it for free. I mean, yeah, that but is I just... also think that people went to Android because they could pirate apps. Like when you're talking about piracy, like at a mass level. Like uh, peer-to-peer, like file sharing and like Napster, I think is a little bit different because that was happening because there was a, a shift in the way that information could be transferred, and the, and the mass populace was really interested in a digital format for music and the convenience of doing that, and would gladly have paid for that. The music industry was slow, overreacted, and then never had control of it. Yeah, that's. I think that's very different from the people who look to. Um, or at least back in the day, pirate games, um, pirate software back when people paid for software. Those were people who were probably not going to pay anyways, whereas the, the, the majority of people still paid. Now it's at a point where you know, it's very easy for a lot of people to um, find TV shows or movies. And like some people do just you know, steal, um, partially because it's been devalued. But a lot of people are just very happy to, to pay for digital content. Um, I think initially, you know, people went to things like Android because it was for the types of people that would look for easy ways to 
to to get stuff for free, to to fudge around, to hack stuff, to that's not different. Even using though. hacking the broad, you're well, it's, you're basically saying that people who can steal will steal. That people who are smart enough to hack and customize their phones are the same people who are going to seek out content for free because you know they wouldn't pay for things if they could because they're smarter than that like well yeah i think so but but i I also think that the people who play around with those things have a point of pride of their ability to 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 do stuff but you're like you're 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 attaching a moral stance to 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 a certain type of, of of person right hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm not talking i'm not talking about morality i'm just talking about like uh culture and 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 preference no you're digging and yourself I- into a deeper hole here man eh, i don't i'll stand by it i can't i, I, I can't I, agree I, with that i mean I loved tweaking who, around with who Android. Who are the people that taught you how back, to steal stuff digitally? The people. Who, who? I. How did you learn how to do that on on forums? Like the, the, your mom. Like right now, it's it was uh, with okay. Prior to Napster, you didn't have the general populace illicitly taking software. That was within the realm of people who knew how to uh, do stuff at the command line, uh, fix a computer. Like, fix a printer who would come over. It was the people who, like, knew this world, who participated in it and have their identity. That's fine, but you can't say that everybody who can do it will steal it just because they can. It's just because they're proud of the fact that they know how. No, but I'm saying there, there's, a, there's a correlation between people who, like, the basic element of a hack is something of, like, being able to make something happen without permission or being able to make something happen on your own. And I think that's closely related to being to not waiting for someone to sell you something in the way that they want to and being able to find it or get it or figure it out. Yeah. I, so earlier this week, Blackberry's head of security wrote a blog post on LinkedIn's pulse blog about hackers. What is a hacker? And he said that the majority of so-called hackers are people who are paid to find security exploits in software and systems so they're not actually guys looking to cause trouble. They're people who, whose job it is is to be smart enough to find the holes that their peers have left in these projects and then patch them. They're, they're uh, not doing these I, things illicitly. Or I think that's a dist- really narrow definition of uh, what it is to be a hacker and what a hack is coming from... So someone in like enterprise security, I, I don't. I don't think that a lot of people who would identify themselves as part of that ethos would agree that that is the sole component. Or I don't think that's sufficient or complete. No, he's not saying that it is the sole component. There are people who take a lot of joy in so-called hacking, but I just don't think that hacking is so broadly defined as people who are trying to destroy systems. Hacking can be defined as people finding 
holes in systems in order to make them more secure in the long run. Yeah, well, I'm not saying destroy. I'm saying, like, if, if by destruction you mean uh, remaking it or making it work in a way that it didn't necessarily before through their efforts, yeah, like a creative destruction. Like, you know, we, I was just at the Mini Maker Fair this past weekend, and all that stuff is a hack. It's like, I didn't wait around for someone to produce this thing for me. I took this, these electrons and this copper wire and some stuff here and some uh, a soldering iron, and look what I was able to make. I was able to do this myself. Totally. Uh, Everything starts I, I as that, a hack until it becomes commercialized. Yeah, and I think, I think the people that initially were doing digital piracy were doing it because, like, wow, why would I pay for that when I can, like, get this through some sort of, like, file sharing or I can... I figured out... Like, remember when, like, PC games used to come with a booklet and, like, the game would ask you what the content was on each page? Like, that was the... The original DRM was, like, literally just, like... Refer to the manual. And people would either find ways around that or, like, would upload manuals online. Like, there's always... I think... I, I don't think that it's... I'm not making a judgment on this, even. I'm just saying it's not... I don't think I'm off the reservation by saying that 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 culture was closely related to uh, piracy and like piracy in the, the general sense of like the original hour being a pirate. I'm going to make my own way and figure this stuff out. Um, I, but I, I think now th- there is there is mass digital theft because it is so easy. It is easy for someone to just like go to like it's just stream you don't even have to download anything now or, or pirate yeah it's fine to, to say that people people streams. steal because it's easy but you can't say that as soon as someone knows how to steal they will because it's easy they may try think, it they may uh uh guys what were we like <laughs> i know <laughs> we were talking about music like We've we've in the previous podcast completely admitted that that is exactly what's happening. Totally, People we, we admitted taking... that that it was easier to to steal because there was no legal alternative. I think, and you forget ex- the legal alternatives completely exist now. People they do, using they, which is why me, someone and who knows piracy how to has steal, dropped I precipitously. To. I don't. Th- I mean, look at the music industry now. How they've come on board with. Um, you know, finding new ways of of, of acquiring users and generating revenue, right? HBO is going to be doing that same thing next year, by themselves in the in the in, in the digital content space. Um, you know, movie distribution is fairly easy. I don't I don't really pirate anything anymore unless I need to, unless it's not available on a free on a legal service. Um, and I'm not I'm not like trying to single myself out and say, oh, look at me doing good things. I would totally pirate if it was if it was easier, but it's no longer significantly easier to pirate, and it's no longer satisfying to pirate. So, I mean, that's kind of the way things have gone over the last few years. I just I just think I'm, I don't I think that we're necessarily saying two different things. I, I'm just saying that like. We've had obvious historical evidence that as soon as piracy became easy enough for that the common person, that non-hacker person who identified by like making their own rules and figuring things out on their own, was able to pirate. Like that's that's what killed. It wasn't just iTunes that killed. Yeah, but you're saying that the people who can do it will continue to do it. Um. Yeah, I think people still are. What's going on? Sorry, it's my phone ringing. Oh. oh. 
I thought you were Our shredding movement. documents. I thought you were like, I admitted too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's Defense. what I thought. I was like, huh. Yeah. Um, I also think that we, you know, we forgot to mention one important thing, that the jailbreak community on iOS was far more virul virulent than Android piracy because there was no one... There was no, like, one group on Android to sort of gather around. But every time a jailbreak yeah. happened, Cydia would get updated and people would go crazy pirating apps. Yeah, but what percentage of iPhone users was that? Like, less than 1%? And then also, part of the reasons for wanting a jailbreak an iPhone, because uh, back in the day, Apple used to be way more restrictive of what you could do with the phone in terms of, like, I know this thing I paid $500 for has the capability to do this, and Apple isn't letting me screw them which is exactly that hacker ethos the this company is telling me i can't do something that i know i can do i'm gonna find a way around no because totally. that's different because you're saying like ios is saying like oh no you can't copy paste and you're like no i know you can but for to say that like it's like just pay 10 bucks a month and then you can do all of this like that they're not saying you can't do this they're saying hey if you give us money we'll let you do this and that's completely different to say like no i know that i can do it for free Apple wasn't saying, if you give us money, we'll let you do all these things that like, you can only get otherwise through Cydia. I'm making the same argument. No, I'm not you're... Talk, like, I'm, saying that <laughs> I'm saying that the way and the reasons why people steal digital content have changed from the 90s to today. I'm, I'm not saying that the, like, back in the 90s or in the early and mid-2000s, the people that were doing this stuff were the people that did it because they saw, they want... Because they wanted to do whatever problem. they wanted with their technology. No, it's a different problem. They were doing it because they, like, for the, to use, the, like, to use the, the iPhone example, they were doing it because you couldn't do it otherwise. You couldn't get it. Now it's they're doing it because they don't want to pay for it. They were doing it. It was both on iOS. A lot of people said that they used Cydia to get around Apple's software limitations. but And Cydia never endorsed piracy anyway. They had this... Uh, they oh, they, yeah, they tried to block all those, uh, yeah. whatever, whatever they were called, channels uh, mm -hmm. that distributed pirated software. Cydia's, yeah. Cydia was the hacker in the traditional sense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, getting quick replies on iOS 4 when it would only happen on iOS 8. Like, they were four years ahead in that. And Byte S... Like, I used to, I used to download... Um, I used to jailbreak my iPhone just for Byte SMS. Like, and I was, I was not alone there. Yeah, you just wanted functionality. But that being said, those people that did jailbreak, uh, there's a, once, once that door's open, you're like, oh, it's, yeah, so I jailbreak to get this functionality that this company was restricting me of. I found this easy way around it. And then I could just push this button and get a bunch of software. And there was a lot of people who did that because it was, mm -hmm. it was easy. Nowadays, you don't, have to, you don't have to jailbreak anything to get free things, which is why people don't pay for things anymore. Or people, their expectation of what should be paid for is very different. I'm saying, yes, the, the, the context around piracy or getting things for free has completely changed and has become more or less mass adopted. Whereas previously, it was just in the realm of the people who either were smart enough to figure it out or exist ran in like the culture where figuring ways around things existed and I, I don't think i'm even close to being off base i don't think you're no, off base on like, that i think you're off base in saying that people who can pirate will pirate I, I, okay i think it's I, I think he's right to some extent but i also think that's a big generalization yeah. to make 
But I, I also think that we're missing the point about why apps, a lot of developers went freemium in the first place, and that was to avoid having their apps pirated, right? You cannot pirate a freemium app because you can't pirate an in-app purchase. You can only pirate the initial download. You can't pirate the subsequent in-app downloads. So many developers, especially on Android, decided to go freemium because those in-app purchases were the only way that they could guarantee revenue. And that's how sort of games came out of that. Yep. And that was a big deal. So anyway, I, I, I totally understand where you're saying, where you're coming from, Doug. And I agree with you to some extent, but I, I think just to, you know, put Android users in a corner and saying that people decided no, no, to go no, Android sorry, because Android they wanted users, to pirate is no, unfair. No, no. Come on, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there was an early appeal of Android to that early hacker mindset because they like you know a lot of the early proponents of Android were people who are like, oh, this is the this is the smartphone platform that doesn't restrict me in the way that Apple does. Right. I can I can mess around and I can do whatever. I'm not saying like the broad populace of people have Android phones because Android has changed. Android is now just the the it's like the Windows in like the mid nineties where it's just like this is the platform that comes with my phone. I either get the this thing or I get the the specialty Apple thing. Right. The Apple experience. Yeah, yeah. Um so like maybe, you know, this could be something where to kind of like pull this out we could um, you know try to break down a timeline of like what was happening in from year to year and maybe how the, the, the culture and the expectations change. I think that might be a really interesting feature. And uh, if the listeners want to kind of like jump in and see if they want to hear more about this, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to kind of go back and be like, Hey, remember, like as Jane said, remember when copy and paste was like just the biggest thing or like, remember when people were like fighting to get GPS on their phones because like the carriers were trying to restrict that and it was a big battle to get like unlocked services that were like inherent to the hardware yeah um, it, yeah I, I think we take for granted and I mean this goes into our smartphone gift guide pretty well I think it's really hard to get a bad phone these days and we take yeah. for granted a lot of the features that were available only on the really premium devices only three or four years ago and that's not just hardware, it's software too. You know, iOS was always behind Android in a couple of major ways. And Apple was very slow to implement features until, you know, they crossed every T and dotted every I and they knew exactly how it was going to work. Mm -hmm. And when they finally implemented it, Android users would say, oh, well, no, people are finally getting copy-paste. They're finally getting background processes but when Apple implemented copy-paste, they did it properly. Android copy-paste, even today, is still terrible. Uh-oh. I might be having a delivery right now. Ding dong. Um, so you guys argue about copy and paste, and we'll be back in like 30 seconds. Cool. Um, so <laughs> we're going to be... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You mentioned about the, the guide. It just popped up on my Twitter feed that Telus for Black Friday is offering the Moto X $0. Yeah, that's one of our... So if I were to have my own personal best of list, I would go with the iPhone 6 and the Moto X, followed by the Nexus 6. Those are my top three devices of the year. Um, and I say that knowing that there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with me. Uh, the Note 4, fantastic phone, has does everything right, really. I mean, no, the Note 4 is one of the best all-around phones I think ever made. 
uh, I just I like the simplicity of the iPhone, and I like the simplicity of the Moto X, and I love 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 the design of the Nexus Six. Um, I just wish it was a bit smaller. But this year was really hard because we have 18 phones in our gift guide. So many phones. Like, it was really hard narrowing them down. Yeah. And that's just because there are so many good choices. Um, You know, the OnePlus One today is on sale to anybody, right? Oh, what's up, Douglas? What's that? Big smile on your face. Oh, he's muted. He's on mute. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, the OnePlus One is... There we go. Uh, <laughs> what do you get? Hey, guys. Uh, it's weird. I just got some pirated software from FedEx. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> on delivery. They, the, the hacker community uh, was obviously tapping our broadcast and then just sent me a big FedEx box of uh, a bunch of Microprose games. Cool. From 1995. Uh, no, it's actually a shout-outs to my mom for sending me a, a U.S. Thanksgiving gift of my grandfather's sweater. Oh. oh. Which I will proceed to open and put on while we talk about phones. Do so, it. So, uh, there's a lot of really interesting deals happening your right mic. now. Um, <laughs> uh, Telus has got the Moto X. They have tons of phones on sale. And uh, the Moto X is $0 on a two-year contract. Uh, BlackBerry is trying to get iPhone users <laughs> to uh, switch over to the Passport by incenting $200 towards every new purchase. And I don't really think it's going to work, but who knows. Uh, What else? The Nexus 6 is $300 on contract, which is a little bit much. Um, So that's that's good. But at least it's available. And the OnePlus One. Which carrier is up Nexus 6? Rogers and Bell are selling it. Telus is delayed because of the French-Canadian bug. Videotron okay. has it in store, sometimes in, in like five or six locations around Quebec. And, despite um, the bug. Despite the bug, but they are sh- so basically the only the the, re- the way to get around the bug is just to change the language from Canadian French to French French. And the bug is pretty <laughs> okay. bad. The bug is like serious. It's a problem. The phone will continually restart when you're charging it. So like so that's an example of a uh, like that carrier is just like you know this is going to be a huge pain for our customers and our customer support but we would rather sell the phone and keep our numbers proper than than wait until it's fixed right I don't think that was the point I think that they have such limited stock that most oh that's that looks like a really comfortable sweater I'm that's so a good joke jealous right now. Is it a cardigan? Uh, yes. It's a, No, it's a sweater. Stand up there now and give us a twirl. Okay, hang on. People are listening and they can't see what you're doing. So this is just defeating the purpose. The people who are listening should be watching our video podcast. Anyway, uh, I, anyway. I don't want them to see me. Uh, yeah, so the Nexus 6, I think they realized is available in such limited quantity that they are going to be able to talk to individual customers and say, hey, you're one of seven Canadians on Rogers who has a Nexus 6. If you have, you know, if you're, you know, French-Canadian, here's what you got to do to get around this bug. And Google issue the, the other thing was that they realized that Google issues the software updates directly. 
So this fix could come tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I find it interesting that TELUS is so conservative on this matter. Um, but that's kind of just the way that they go. They, they, they're, they want to get, they want to avoid any customer problems. And I, I respect that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think they, they try to do well by their customers. So they also are on the, on the product side or on the plan side, tell us, uh, their new, your choice plans were matched by Rogers and, and Bell this week. So Rogers and Bell now offer a $70, 300 megabyte plan. Rogers is wow. 250 megabytes. Do you think they just get together like once every six months and say, okay, who's going to initiate the bad plan mm-hmm. this time no, so that we can all follow? They don't. I, they, they definitely do not do that. They just see they what the others have done, and they're like, yeah. okay, we have to match that. Um, or we Rogers, can match that. Yeah. So, so Bell and Rogers now have permanent $10, 250 megabyte tiers on their, uh, on their plans. So... If you want to spend a bit more and get... Basically, the $80 plans used to get you unlimited nationwide calling and 500 megs of data. Now you can get an $80 plan with 300 minutes and 1.5 gigs of data. So you're getting more data for the same amount of money, but you're getting less phone calls. That's how TELUS is spinning this. Yeah. That, that $10 is like five mobile games, which you could not download with that plan because you would go over your limit. <laughs> Offloading. Uh, Bell also lowered their BYOD costs from $45 to 40 to match TELUS. So Rogers is now the only outlier. It's charging $50 to bring your own device. Uh, I hope they change that back. And a lot of the Black Friday deals have nothing to do with monthly plan prices. They have to do everything with phones. And... I think um, we're gonna we're gonna end on a on a note where we kind of just give people a, a warning: don't buy a zero dollar phone unless you know what you're getting. Because, for example, Jane and I were looking at the Virgin site yesterday, and Virgin has the Samsung Galaxy S3 and the Samsung Galaxy Alpha, both for zero dollars. You should not buy a Galaxy S3. It's if a two year old phone. For zero for the same price, you can get an alpha for the same price. Do not buy a two-year-old phone just because it's zero dollars. I don't care if it's a great phone. The Galaxy S3 is still a fine phone, but it is not going to get updated for much longer, if at all. So and, well, and it's so it's a situation where like there are a lot of reasons why a phone can be zero dollars. Make sure you're choosing the one that that works for you, or the the most the one that's most future-proofed or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cause the, the, the alpha is like a great phone. It was a great phone, like for $150. Okay. Just to, I, I have to clarify though. Sorry. The plan, the $0 is with a pre, a platinum plan mm-hmm. on Virgin. Whereas the S3 is on $0 on a gold plan, which is like 10 bucks a month cheaper. So my apologies. Uh, but I also still think that my, or for example, the, S, the Nexus 5 and the Galaxy S3 are $0 on gold plans. Do not get a Galaxy S3. Get a Nexus 5. Or get an S4. Okay, here's even more. 
They have an S4 for $0 and an S3 for $0. I don't understand it. I, I well, really they're, they're basically saying we have some residual inventory. <laughs> totally. Let's $0 it up. Yeah. So, do you guys have anything that you want to touch on before we abandon our, our week to... Uh, well, th- did we, while I was uh, signing for a FedEx delivery, did we talk at all about how basically the S5 didn't sell it all in North America? Oh, it did. It absolutely did. But it didn't sell as well as the S4. Well, uh, sorry, not so, didn't sell at all, but so, was significantly less well-liked here than worldwide, which contributed to some of Samsung's sales productions being way off base. Yeah, I mean, no, we didn't talk about it. I think I think that's uh, that's interesting. I think it wasn't different enough from the uh, S4 to justify a lot of people upgrading, or at least, or even the S3. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find it really interesting. Um, the so I'm writing an article right now about how the S5 is the best Android is the best boring Android phone. And I won't expound on it too much because I want you to read it. But basically, what I'm saying is that if you want a phone that works with every single service, including mobile payments, including all the latest apps, and a phone that just works and does everything well, the S5 is still your best bet. Because if you want to take advantage of any kind of early adopter services like Yugo Wallet, or SureTap, or any of these things on Android, you have to buy an S5. It's one of like 10 phones that have been certified for these things. Because Samsung is still considered the most uh, popular and, you know, well-liked Android manufacturer. And these phones are the first to get certified every time. So, and that's not going to continue, that's not going to change anytime soon. So I think it's kind of a shame. The S5 is a big upgrade over the S4. I just don't think people realize how big. Yeah, no, and that's... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. No, it's just Daniel and I were talking about that article during the week, and yeah, it's definitely... It's, it's going to be a good read, so you should definitely check it out, because, yeah, I think it's a lot of people see, and they're like, oh, well, it's not really that different. It's not worth me upgrading, because I just got my S4, like, six months before it came out. But that's not the point. Yeah, it's an exciting read about a boring phone. But yeah. so, do you think that the that the lack of interest here was because I, I think like a lot of this stuff really moves based upon when when carriers get behind devices, those devices generally sell better. And I feel like with the the S five specifically, at least in Canada, carrier attention was more on the Note lineup than the S five. Maybe because they thought that the S five would just like kind of sell. sell Maybe because anyway. they knew it it wasn't as uh, a jump between previous devices, but it just seemed like maybe, or maybe just because carriers were recognizing that in, in Canada, the just that the that that sweet phablet jam was was so hot right now, that they they wanted to put their money there. But I'm I'm wondering how much of that was just, you know, there there was no swell of hype or next big thing around the S5, it seems. And I wonder how much that contributed. Or maybe just the device dictated that that's the way it was going to be. Yeah, I think the S5 was chunkier than the S4. I don't think the upgrades were as obvious because a lot of them were under the hood. 
for example, it's waterproof or lar like very water resistant. Uh, they didn't really make that a big deal. Um, the camera's huge upgrade over the S4, but on paper it's not really. It's things like that. I uh, I think the software on the S4 on the S5 was significantly better. And uh, Samsung doesn't really upgrade their old devices with newer designs, so they'll get like the the S4 will get lollipop, but it may not look the same as it will on the S5. Things like that. I I also think that Samsung has just saturated the market with too many phones. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see which ones they cut next year. That's true. They're cutting it by thirty percent. Same with Sony. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also think a lot of the, the S5, um, the tepid response the S5 has to do with the fact that people in Canada, at least, still are, are still on three-year contracts, and many of them upgraded to the S3, mm. you know? And the S3 is yeah. still a great phone, and people don't feel the need to upgrade from it. I see S3s yeah. all over the place. So do I. That, that was a, that you're, I think you're onto something there. That was, that was in terms of, like, the most... In terms of the most popular S that I saw, the S3 was... A big deal, and it was also like a really big jump from the S2, uh, mm -hmm. in both like sexy factor and size. I think it was like significantly bigger, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was 4.8 inches over the 4.3 inch S2. It had a 720p display. It had yeah. the new Snapdragon S4 chip. Someday, it was... someday we will do a podcast just where we throw phones at Daniel, and he has to list off the specs from like four-year-old oh. devices. Game show, yeah. <laughs> Game my, show my, podcast. Uh, my fiance, uh, we have a game where if I'm out in public and uh, she says, what phone is that? <laughs> I can be from as far away as possible. I'll know exactly what make it is, uh, what model it is. I can do that, made. but only with Nokia devices from 1997 to 2005. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that amazing. is amazing. It's like 10 um, years of Nokia, I have it. And then after that, it's like they all look the same. It's just, for me, it's just Blackberry. Mm -hmm. I always got the Nokia stuff wrong oh man. like series 60 no 40 60 ah no but, but it's like um, 32 10 33 10 33 20 like yeah yeah, 34, yeah I, I don't think i could do that daniel we have to get your fiance on the podcast one time just so she can tell your super cute how you met story and the the two phone yeah i don't think that's gonna happen i don't know this story you do know the story you and do know the story the i'm definitely, I'm definitely not telling you the story on the podcast Okay, can we answer a reader question? Sure. Sure. Uh, what are the three most popular Android phones currently? Uh, most popular by, like, deployment, is in, like, how many of them are out there, or most popular and what people are buying the most? Uh, they unspecified, so take it whatever way you want. They said, they said that they were, their guesses were the Note 4, the S5, and the Nexus 5. Popul in terms of sales, I don't think the Nexus 5 is even close to being the yeah. most popular. Um, I would say I mean, the Note four is not even hasn't even been out long enough to. I would say the S four, the S three, and the Note two or the Note three, by a mile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I okay. would I would say it's one of it, it's probably in that in that range. The Nexus five was popular, but I don't think it was even remotely yeah. as popular as the Galaxy line. I think. Um, I would say the Moto G is probably pretty popular. Yeah, yeah, the Moto G was is a fantastic seller. Um, I see those all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's a good question. I would love to get some stats from the carriers on that, but I really doubt they would ever share them with us. <laughs> nope. 
Um, so all we can give that reader is an educated guess. I can look it up on our uh, analytics. I know that Samsung is the by, is by far the number one OEM on on our uh, analytics. Mm. Oh yeah, but although based upon our browsing, that I don't they, we're we're skewing to a very interesting group. Totally, um, but it's it's just the kind of. I mean, it's indicative of the larger Android growth in Canada because over time, our Android readership has increased leaps and bounds. Um, but, yeah. Hey, here's a question. Uh, uh, Me123D was wondering, uh, he's looking for maybe a Black Friday Christmas recommendation the on earbuds. Yeah, yeah. There's earbuds. a ton of earbuds on sale, but they seem to be, I feel like every retailer, because... Yeah, I spent like three and a half hours going through all those flyers, so I feel like I've now seen which ones are the same deals everywhere, and I feel like a lot of the, the Beats by Dre earbuds are the ones that are on sale, and then... Do not buy for earbuds. E- yeah, so for earbuds, that's it. Like, it's it's either Beats or everything else is over the ear. No. Really? Okay, so go to Wirecutter and look at their best earbuds section. Um, they have a Sony... Actually, Evan Hindra, who recommended the Sony earbuds in our comments, uh, those are the they're Sony XBA H1s. They're two hundred dollars in your headphones. Uh, they're worth every cent, uh, from what I've from what I've heard. Sony makes some fantastic uh, earphones. Um, one of the earphones that I love um, that got kind of panned in the Wirecutter article uh, are the. RHA, oh, what are they? RHA. Uh, Come on, Daniel, know your specs, buddy. Oh, I, I'm I'm a phone guy. I can't remember the MA750Is. They are my favorite earbuds. They're in earbuds. They're they have uh, stop start, volume up, volume down buttons for the iPhone. Um, they are some of the best, most well made earbuds I've ever used, and uh, they're available in Canada. And I cannot hi- recommend them highly enough. And uh, they're they're uh, one hundred and thirty dollars from Amazon.ca. So that's my recommendation. Uh, RHA MA seven fifties. And uh, that is that is that. If you're looking for over the ear headphones, actually Amazon has a good deal on Sennheisers. Mm. Um, they are also a great manufacturer. Today they have. You're not going to hear this today, so nobody's going to care. But I tweeted it out. Yeah, but over when you are listening to this and caring, you will also be able to read our amazing holiday guides for all this stuff and much, much more. Much, also, much more. Fast and Furious One to Six on Blu-ray is now available at Amazon for twenty-eight dollars Canadian. Oh man, that's like almost good value because two of those movies are good. Oh, so good, and four oh, of those Tokyo movies are drifting so everywhere. Bad. <laughs> Um, so I think we should leave it there. Awesome. We have, uh, we've had a, a raucous debate. We will leave and, you with the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yes. And I will yeah. hopefully get over this hangover ASAP. Guys, you are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. You're the best, Daniel. And we will be back next Thursday or Friday, hopefully yeah. Thursday. <laughs> we... We do aim to pot on, fr- on Thursdays. Future. We just haven't been able to for the last few weeks. Yeah, I was about to swear, and then I didn't. So take let the, us take... know. Let us know your thoughts on piracy. Let us know your uh, thoughts on my grandfather's sweater, which was knit my, by my grandmother. So be kind. 
Uh, <laughs> Let me know your thoughts only if they are positive. <laughs> talk to us about the holiday guide. Talk to us about the Star Wars trailer and what you think the name of that astromech droid is going to be. And if you like a soccer ball astromech. Um, what else? What else should they talk to us about, Daniel? They should talk New to Year's us... New Year's resolutions? About what they... What phones they love. What phones yeah. are you using? Why did you buy the phone that you have? Um, please, please, please... And I say this um, with all the love in my heart. Please give us a, a, a nice review on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. It really, really helps. We're trying to grow Do our podcast. Do not one-star us. And uh, if you can, please tell your friends because we, uh, we love for you to hear our lovely voices. Yay. So thank you, everybody, again, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Do it for the pod. Whoop whoop. Boop, 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 boop. Are we still going? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.